This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC and BetOnline.ag. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Joined as always by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners at Rotoviz. Sean, we are uh, you know a lot of fun shows over recent weeks. We've been talking a lot of different drafts, including the Pros versus Joes draft that you did, our SFB X drafts that we did over the the last week or so. We'll be looking into some of those on today's show and much much more to to look through some players who are discounted at their current adp i'm looking forward it's always when when you can find those uh, values at their adp is always something very very intriguing to talk about and i'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy that in just a moment but let's start the show off as we always do sean how are you doing this week excellent it's been a lot of fun we went through the last week doing our sfb picks and i was very fortunate the strategy that i wanted to employ turned out to fit perfectly with how my draft fell we talked a little bit about it at the show last week but got drew Brees there at the beginning and then followed the philosophy that uh, blair andrews had talked about where i went with kittle Ertz, and waller the next three picks obviously tight ends have quite a bit of risk even in this format but with what you might call the double premium they score some big big points when they stay healthy so i wanted to go ahead and try that out and then was able to get four of my favorite receivers in Chark, A.J. Brown, Diggs, and Boyd with the next picks. And then falling to me in round nine was Derek Carr, a player who perhaps uh, we talked a lot with Scott Fish when he was on the show, right, about how this format rewards the good reality QBs. Derek Carr is actually one of these sort of weird players who maybe not a good reality QB, and yet the format still rewards him. So maybe a little bit falling through the cracks of this format, but Carr there in round nine, the 25th QB off the board, certainly at that price. He looks very good with the high completion percentage, the relative limits on interceptions and sacks. And also this year getting some reinforcements at the receiving positions. We'll see if those are able to help him early enough in the season to benefit me here. And then in round 10, with tj hawkinson another tight end a guy we both expect to uh, not for sure have a huge season but the potential is there for him to break into the truly elite group if you get him at that range get that extra tight end i know he's someone that you had in your draft as well following that i took almost exclusively running backs the rest of the way the guys i wanted to continue to land in the spots there and with the way my roster was built up top i felt like i could add all of these guys some of these players you know more or less handcuffs 
few of them standalone value with that. One of the fun things about trying zero running back in the Scott Fishbowl is that there are enough roster spots that you could hold a lot of guys. So if you want to have a bunch of those sort of borderline running backs, you don't necessarily have to pick and choose. Now you got to be able to land them in the draft, but beyond that, you can hold them for a while. So we'll see if any of those players break out before have to shuffle them around to address buys and things like that. Colum, I know we had a similar, if not identical philosophy. We had some similar guys. Uh, who did you take in your draft and how do you feel about it? Yours may be one of the drafts that's a little bit slower at this point. You guys are. <laughs> Yeah, we're still we're just at the eighteen twelve picks for the back end of the the eighteenth round. But uh, I've really enjoyed uh, the process, and you know, there's a couple of different time zones, including my own in it. Uh, thankfully, I've been auto drafting uh, those picks the last couple of rounds. I had a couple of players, you know, at certain positions that I did like, so uh, was able to do that to keep the thing moving along. But it's good as well to you know have those times to to look at other drafts, how things are falling, make your decisions based on that. Um, you mentioned the option, like I, I couldn't believe watching along with your draft it was like this draft was exactly probably if you if you could have picked it prior there's probably a lot of these picks you would have uh you know pinpointed as what you would want to have especially with the the way you lined up that team and the the zero rb candidates you had towards the end of it um, and as well as you mentioned having those 22 roster spots gives you that freedom to to stack up on those guys a little bit more my draft um there's a couple of guys that we ended up with similar uh, as you mentioned there Hawkinson been one of them uh, I started off tight end with Kelsey then Miles Sanders then Zach Ertz then Matthew Stafford so for the listeners of last week's shows you'll, we were kind of debating the Matthew Stafford pick on that one went then with one of the guys that we've talked about quite a bit on the show and that's Juju Smith-Schuster as my force wide receiver and then uh, a strategy I hadn't really intended to add in at that point but the next pick up I took Ben Roethlisberger so you know a lot of my roster here depending on the Pittsburgh Steelers this season uh, then Devin Singletary DK Metcalf Jarvis Landry then Hawkinson then Darnold is the, the third quarterback and we did talk about the downside of Darnold with Scott Fish on that show um, with how things could work out but I still have hope that things can work out for Sam Darnold we'll, we'll see what happens there then Matt Breida Sterling Shepard uh, Henderson of the Rams Robbie Anderson, Chenault, who we both ended up with, then James Washington to add into that uh, stack there with the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm down now to uh, Lynn Bowden um, in that 18th round. So my team, probably a little bit more uh, a combination of all positions at all times throughout the draft. I wanted to go tight end early on, wanted to see what I could get a quarterback and then fill up on those uh, wide receivers and the kind of uh, mid-range rounds. But a couple of picks in there that I hadn't intended to make, but the way value can attend to fall in the draft i just thought they were the right choices to make so looking forward to seeing how it goes i'm sure we'll be checking in sean as the, the season progresses but there's no doubt a lot a lot of fun um and uh, once again thanks to scott for the, the brainchild that he's come up with it's probably uh ran with a life of its own at this point but uh, very very interesting uh, to see all the different strategies over the last week or so that people have employed and we'll see what comes out over the next couple of months but sean before we get into the main content of today's show, I know we have the FFPC stat attack, so I'll let you have the floor. Yeah, so getting into the FFPC stat attack for the day, we're going to look at a guy uh, who we will feature in the second part of the show here, and that's Cooper Cup. Since joining the league in 2017, he ranks number six in fantasy points over expectation with 106. Now, you look at the five names ahead of him, Tyree Kill, Michael Thomas, Tyler Lockett, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs. You've got three superstars or two superstars, and then with Hill and Lockett, you have guys 
uh, in those offenses where their quarterbacks tend to generate you know huge efficiency numbers big fantasy points over expectation for their receivers then stefan Diggs, someone who perpetually underrated obviously not on this show each of these guys has played at least four more games than cup and cup was last year's wide receiver four he's currently going as the wide receiver 17 at the end of round four in both best ball and redraft ffpc league so perhaps a little bit of an opportunity to grab him there we'll look at whether or not you want cup in your lineup as we move forward and of course the ffpc stat attack brought to you by the ffpc they are the home of the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry including dynasty best ball and of course the world famous ffpc main event to learn more or to join the league today head on over to my that's my and of course as always check out the tools on the site they'll be talking about today that can also help you with ffpc domination sean a tease at the start of the show we're going to look here about some players with explosive upside who are currently discounted at their adp a couple of players that i know we really like to discuss and we have discussed a number of times over the last kind of 18 months here on the show which i'm going to let you go and have, have your pick here obviously which of the the list here do you want to highlight first yeah let's start with evan ingram who's someone we took in the pros versus joe's draft we discussed him at that point we mentioned that the range of outcomes tool was one of the reasons why we liked him and so in this article what i've done is i've gone ahead taken this tool that dave cabin has put together where you look at the 50 closest matches for players so their historical matches based on the last two years now that's weighted to the most recent season and what he's looking at are players with similar uh, production and experience numbers so players who are performing a certain way or at a certain point uh, in their experience trajectory and then looking at what they do in the following season so there are a lot of cool things that dave has done with this tool you can go in you can see what the distribution of outcomes were for those players see how that would fit into a high median and low outcome for your particular guy you can load up the matches sort of year over year see what the fantasy points changes one of the things that that helps you do is understand that even for guys who have good seasons even for guys who maybe are what we might consider in their peak we're still expecting to have fantasy performance decline for the most part. One of the examples I gave here is with Michael Thomas. Now, Michael Thomas had such a gigantic season. Obviously, uh, people know it's going to be very difficult for him to maintain that. You go in and you look at his matches. His matches obviously come from players who are superstars, right? You've got guys like Randy Moss and Calvin Johnson, players who are scoring a huge number of points, even in those situations. And again, this isn't uh, counterintuitive. This is what we would expect. You're going to see declines in that following season, but you can go in and look and see what the different players look like, how they fit on this, and then how the high matchups or how the high projections come out to give a little bit of sense of what that upside might be for some of these players. Certainly, when we look at zero running back, when we look at a lot of the things that we're doing with the different tools, we're looking for ways that we can get upside without having to pay for it and the tool will help you do that so when we go back in and we look at ingram the thing that's kind of interesting here is that he actually ranks fourth among tight ends now that's after kittle after kelsey after Ertz, after those guys that we were targeting early in the scott fishbowl the people are drafting as part of their ffpc best ball teams to get that elite tight end 
We know, and we've talked about on the show, that getting those top guys really boosts your win rate, right? At the same time, you might have someone else you need to go with there. I feel like the opportunity cost is too high. If you're in leagues with players who have a similar mindset, there are a limited number of those guys. Not everybody can get Ertz. Not everybody can get a Kittle or a Kelsey, certainly. And so when we're looking at the next players, Ingram is there. He comes in ahead of Darren Waller, ahead of Mark Andrews. Now, I definitely would prefer to have Andrews, but anybody who's looking at these drafts knows that he's being selected many, many rounds earlier. We look at Ingram and we can see both the extreme upside and we can see what the concerns that drafters have, why they would have those. If we look at Ingram and we look at him over the last three years, his entire career, starting from when he was a rookie, he's had 59% tight end one finishes, but he's also missed 14 games. And then I think the other caveat we have to throw in here when we're looking at what the range of outcomes is pulling up the tool also likes Darius Slayton, also likes Sterling Shepard, also likes Golden Tate. All of those guys above 20% target share last year. But anybody who's followed Giants knows that the reason that happened is because all of those guys missed a lot of games. And so when the tool is looking at these players, it's seeing target profiles that probably can't exist if all these players are healthy together and then at the same time we have to be worried about all of these guys in terms of Shepard, Tate, and Ingram will they stay healthy so given that information column is he a guy you would be targeting in the range he was going he certainly is inexpensive compared to what his upside might be yeah his, his upside literally is you know the highest scoring tight end in fantasy football like that that is legitimately in that range of outcomes for him what i've what you've mentioned there and that was something i was going to take up is basically he's been tight end one 59 percent of uh the games that he's played um so almost two-thirds of the games he's played over the the last um his, his whole career really um but he's been an active 17 percent of the time so you're pretty much missing you know one game every five or, or close to it um so the thing is when he is healthy he is extremely effective but he's not healthy on enough occasion so if we could get you know 15 to 17 games of a, an nfl season from ingram i think we could we could see a monster monster breakout like coming coming this year for him at the tight end position in those 34 active games that he's had since week one of 2017 he's averaged 12 ppr points per game which you know when you're averaging double digit points at the tight end position uh you know it's something that is really really valuable so i think at his current value he's definitely somebody that i would like to acquire the one thing i would say with him is there is that caveat that he's injured a lot but like you mentioned with the likes of sterling shepherd who i mentioned a moment ago that i, I drafted in sfb he is injured a lot he's had a lot of concussions you know there's a lot of injuries on this roster one thing that the more i'm looking at the giants this offseason the more i think that daniel jones is probably somebody who we maybe should be a little bit higher on based on the the people that we expect him to be throwing the ball and how effective they can be and then also the running back that he has uh and saquon barkley so i think maybe daniel jones will start to, to creep up um, you know and people's expectations a little bit more over the, the coming weeks but uh, evan ingram's definitely somebody when healthy that uh, just does produce on on the fantasy uh on the fantasy i was about to say on the fantasy field uh, on the nfl field and um, when we look then another player in this list sean that i'm interested in 
we've talked about him a number of times we've had debates over uh, the podcast about you know who we would rather on the the la rams in terms of wide receiver position um and i know we might be talking a little bit about robert woods uh, and the show later this week but when we look at it we have cooper cup who obviously now has a vacated target share from what Brandon Cooks would have had last year. Um, you know, he is somebody I think he can acquire. Um, and as Curtis pointed out in one of his uh, recent pieces, Cup is one of only eight players who averaged above 16 points per game over their last uh, last two seasons. So I think that there's a good chance based on what his range of outcomes has shown that he could do that again this season. It's kind of interesting that when you look back at the last season, you know, people might be looking at it as a down year for a cup, but it was kind of the midpoint of the season that he kind of faded off a little bit. Uh, was having a huge target share through those kind of opening uh, five weeks of the season and slowed down a little bit around the bye week. Then after that, he, he had a couple of disappointing games. People might remember before the bye week, played Cincinnati and London, had seven catches for 220 yards and one touchdown. So big, big game. But the three weeks after that, he had nine catches for 88 yards. So things tapered off. But he finished the season then with five games in a row with a touchdown um, and started to pick up those yards again. So I think we might be a little bit down on cup versus where it should be. And I think there's a, you know, as, you, if you, as you've pointed out in the article, there's kind of a, value that you can get in the adp there um as cup somebody who you're uh you know trying to get in as many spots as possible i think cups always had that kind of thing since he came into the league he came into the league older people kind of read him off for that then he had his good seasons and you know things have always kind of there's always been something to kind of keep his value down but i think with what's happened there this off season with cooks moving as well can only enhance what he can do in 2020 yeah, I, I would agree. And I think that it's easy to overlook what he does and the split that the two re- receivers had between first half and second half. Obviously, first half favored Cup, second half favored Woods. We know going in, looking at some of the uh, information in the Rotovis screener, that you shouldn't necessarily chase that second half of the season performance. We want to look at what the guys did overall. The reason that Cup is on this list is that he actually has the second best high projection in the tool now you look at that and you think to yourself how can a guy who doesn't necessarily play 100 percent of the snaps each week is an underneath threat how does he have that upside that we're normally attributing to players like uh, a michael thomas like a deandre hopkins like a Devonte adams like a julio jones and the reason is that he is efficient across the board in terms of how he handles the catch rate what his yards after catch are like his ability to find the end zone despite being this receiver who you might not think of having that profile once you start to put all of those things together and you start to put them together year after year after year we would expect some of that to be cup as opposed to simply being fortunate that he was able to be efficient through one particular stretch He's playing with a quarterback who is solid, but not elite. So again, when we're looking at Cup, we can say a lot of this is due to the skills that he's bringing to the table. He really is one of those very top guys. Now, it's a little bit difficult to say how much he's going to benefit from Cook's leaving, but it doesn't seem like there's any way that it could hurt him, right? They have some other guys there. They're going to be looking to those tight ends. They're going to be looking for those guys to try and draw some of the coverage away from him and woods obviously still in play cup the guy that we like there has the more upside if one of those guys breaks out to having another top season and this is you know cup the the guy we talked about as as wide receiver for where he's going 
seems a little bit crazy at the same time you look at the players in that range and specifically the other wide receivers guys again that we would seem or we would put in that category where they could have this you know 300 point 320 point just blow the doors off kind of season and that's where it gets a little bit tricky but he's certainly a guy who the tool likes and then once you dive into his stats in a little bit more detail you realize he's someone you should definitely be going out Curtis pointed out uh, in his piece that he's one of only eight players to have averaged at least 16 points per game over the last two seasons so uh, this player uh, both having that high ceiling but having a very 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 high floor right when we're looking at that 16 points per game someone you can punch in there and just get a lot of production each and every week before we get into the second half of the show, I want to let you know about our friends over at betonline.ag. Sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite sports teams and events. And there's no better place to start than an exclusive partner, Bet Online. Get on the action on this week's big UFC fight or check out the odds on NASCAR, Formula One or the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has future odds for win totals, division winners and even league championships. Or check out the daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on visit betonline.ag and use the promo code bluewire to receive your new welcome bonus that's promo code bluewire bet online your online wagering experts i'm dave cabin host of the rotoviz fantasy football podcast i wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting rotoviz radio we love producing these shows and we hope that you love listening to them as a thank you, Royal Podcast listeners can get 10% off of a one-year Rotoviz subscription by using the promo code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show. Finally, Cullen, we go to a running back who doesn't really fit our preferred draft strategy, but the tool really likes and sees more upside here for than we might think, projecting him as a person who could have over 17 points a game in terms of that high projection. And that's Chris Carson, right? He's someone who averaged 16 points a game last year. The red flag is that he's not generating a ton of that from the receiving side, only 4.5 expected points as a receiver. We know that the guys with the lower receiving EP numbers don't have the upside. They don't maintain their values quite as well. And yet Carson sitting in this great situation where he's going off the board, running back 22, his high projection sits there at number 11. So that's a, a big discount that we're getting if you like his situation, if you like what the Seahawks are going to do, if you are comfortable with his injury situation. And Dr. Budoff has gone into that and said, look, if you're getting an injury discount on Carson, that's probably in your favor. He should probably not be discounted. Where he fits as a high projection comes in ahead of Austin Eckler, ahead of Joe Mixon, who we're going to talk about in a second, ahead of Kenyon Drake. Maybe you wouldn't draft him there, but is this a guy drafters are overlooking? I think he's been overlooked that like he's going off the board now at uh, RB22 um, in terms of ADP. Uh, finished last season RB12. I, I don't think we're ever going to see him finishing as you know a top five running back, but I do think that we'll see him finish in that top 15. So he's one of those players, I think there's a value there and he's going to 
likely out produces ADP, but at the point that you're drafting him, I also think that he's limited in that upside. So you're going to get a slight return on your value. I, I don't think he's going to finish below RB22, but I, I also think that you know there's probably some players in that range that might push into that kind of top five six running backs um, and i just don't know what the lack of pass catching if that's going to happen with chris carson i could see him having that derrick henry style season um the way that, the way that the seahawks like to run the ball um he is just in that range i know you mentioned in the article that it's you know in that range where doesn't really fit the the profile of where you'd be drafting running backs um so he's probably not somebody who's going to end up on too many of my rosters but um you know if you're looking for an old school running back <laughs> he, he definitely fits the bill but just with the lack of pass catching uh, would be my concern there and um, what, what's your thoughts um you know when you're approaching it in drafts uh, even though he is in that range that we might look to uh, bypass um given the you know especially with dr budoff talking about the, the injury discount that probably is overblown is he somebody that's going to end up on some of your rosters heading into the season i like him and i think that especially when he drops he's one of those players who you maybe even at his adp which is very favorable you might not draft him but when he falls a little bit below that which he'll do every once in a while becomes someone you almost have to grab i was in a draft recently where it was an apex draft there uh anthony amico one of our former writers and and good friends of the site was doing a zero rb draft loaded up on these wide receivers that frankly gave him just uh, a fantastic looking roster there carson fell a little bit and he sort of moved away from that wide receiver build for one pick to grab him and suddenly you have an elite running back to go with this wide receiver team that you have built i think in that situation he's pretty intriguing i think if you have him in dynasty which i have him picked him up uh, doing a zero running back build in a lot of these dynasty leagues and then obviously he rose through the ranks to be uh, more of that early round running back guy in a format like that if you are not getting big offers from your league mates then he's someone to hold because he can help you again this season and so uh, like you said maybe not someone we're actually going out there to target but i agree with what the tool is telling us here which is that he's got some upside built into this profile in this offense to where if things fall right he could score a lot of points and he's just really not that expensive so if you're going to go away from getting all pass catching running backs carson would be the guy to do it yeah and of course with how the the seahawks like to run i, I just wish the shackles would come off uh, russell wilson here for for one season see what this offense could really do but uh, i'm sure they'll be running it heavily which will lead to a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities for carson this season um when we jump into a chat we're going to look at the next article and we're going to look at one that sam wallace has done uh, kind of diving into a couple of offenses three in fact um that have changed quarterbacks this offseason and how that might lead to uh, a real uptick in their offenses this season we're going to talk about the Bengals, the patriots and the chargers we're going to do it a little bit of rapid fire so we're just going to go on to the Bengals first and uh, my first question to you is do you expect joe burrow to jump in hit the ground running and perform straight away and i suppose based on what they did last year be uh, an uptick on their quarterback play which was a combination of a number of guys including including andy dalton i do and i've i've been uh, persuaded to go more and more in this direction as i've listened to a lot of the dynasty guys the debbie guys uh 
a lot of advocates of Joe Burrow here. I don't think that this team is going to be excellent in 2020. I don't think that he's going to be extremely efficient, but I think that based on where they draft him, based on some of the weapons he has, I think this could be a fun, almost Jameis Winston-ish team right away. I hope that that's the way that they go, as opposed to kind of holding him down, making him hand the ball off. I think that you can throw some interceptions in your first uh, eight to 10 games as a rookie, learn from that, be ready in 2021 to light the world on fire, as opposed to 2021, still be kind of learning, still be in a conservative mode. I think that they go after it here. And then that leads me to my question for you. If they go after it, is Joe Mixon the way to play this offense or are people overly i don't know expecting that they'll be conservative that they'll play the joe mixon offense the way they played down the stretch when they really just took the air out of the ball and said we don't believe in our quarterbacks here you go every play yeah i think joe mixon um could be a little bit more involved in the the passing game and i think that could lead to his value being pretty good because i think one way to take a little bit of pressure off the quarterback as you mentioned is handing the ball off but i think a better way to do that if you can have a running back who can catch the ball is to get those quick passes you know quick screen passes or even if the you know play action for a quick pass off to the you know five yard out or whatever um so i think that could be a way to get joe mixon more involved almost kind of fit him into Carson Palmer and David Johnson did for for quite a bit of time up there in Arizona so I think he could be a, a very interesting option this season now what I do think you had on there is a very good point I think that they're going to kind of give him the opportunity to, to grow in year one and you know we've seen it obviously with Andrew Luck you know throwing interceptions quite a bit in those opening years of his career and um, unfortunately no longer playing uh, in the NFL but um, I think we could see something similar here where you give them the opportunity to make the mistakes and I think they will look to pass the ball uh, quite a bit this season so I, Mixon isn't somebody that I'm going to be targeting um, I've seen him you know going at that back end of the first round a lot of drafts um, you know he's not somebody who's actively been targeted but like you mentioned with Carson if he falls a little bit I think he could be interested and in, I, I like I like taking the play on Burrow um, you know later in drafts and I also uh, like a couple of the wide receivers so my question for you is going to be obviously we kind of founded this podcast on the principles of Tyler Boyd and uh, obviously Boyd's still there but rookie wide receiver coming in this this year we have AJ Green who's back in the picture we have John Ross who's still part of the equation um you know is what what do you think of wide receiver um any of those that you think could have those big years and I guess we'll start with the, the straightforward one do you think AJ Green has anything left in him I don't I don't know about that I think that the thing with AJ Green is that he's so inexpensive that it doesn't hurt you to find out like it might in a different season Uh, Ben and I drafted him onto a team that we had last year certainly that didn't work out but the guy that I like here is still Boyd the other player who's very very interesting is is John Ross as you mentioned he was the last skill position player that Curtis and I picked for our FFPC dynasty team it's really a make or break season for him if he fails this year he probably will get another chance uh, somewhere else as a top 10 pick with 4-2 speed but if he doesn't perform this season then you're really looking at someone who's falling to the very fringes of the league for next year uh so, Colin, before we get to the Patriots here, Patriots pretty interesting. Uh, just give me the the one word here: you Higgins or Green? I would go Green. I just think I think based on what we know, we can do. Uh, so you said one word: going Green. <laughs> Moving to the Patriots, and and Sam does a great job. I definitely encourage anyone to go check this article out. He's looking at the changes that these quarterbacks are making. 
really creating a lot of the context for understanding where the offenses were, where they're going to. The big name with the Patriots, obviously, Cam Newton. Uh, Cullen, will he be able to replicate his Carolina magic? I hope so. If I was send one thing, I really, really hope so. Like I, Cam Newton's been one of my favorite players, uh, you know, as a fantasy quarterback to watch um, since he came into the league. And, you know, if, if you have him on those rosters over the kind of first five years he was in the league, he was always a huge amount of upside. Um, I don't know if it's going to be quite the same, um, but I definitely think that if he's, you know, I, I would expect him to be that quarterback come week one, unless he plays really bad or expect him to be the quarterback throughout the season. Um, and I would expect him to have success in this offense. I think with Newton, the problem's always been is the hits he's taken and how much of a toll that's taken on his body. Uh, when he has played and when he's been healthy, he's looked pretty good over the last couple of seasons. But the problem is that like he missed the majority of last season with injury. Uh, he had the surgery the year before where he could look like he could barely throw the ball. <laughs> it was like Peyton Manning's last days. Um, but I think that there's a chance we see some uh, magic here. It's just an offense that I can't be confident in any sort of way of where that magic is going to come from and who it's going to go to. Uh, it's just like such such an amount of question marks around this offense between the running backs, the wide receivers, the tight ends, uh, and even now a new quarterback in the, in the system. So I think it's really up in the air in New England, and it's probably one that I'll end up avoiding more than, than I end up uh, attacking. What's your thoughts on, on Newton? I know we touched on him on one of the last podcasts, but do you think it is good for fantasy production in New England? It definitely could be. I, I think that if you're in that position where he's fallen into the range of you know QB 18 to QB 25, then it doesn't hurt you a lot to take the plunge, see what happens. The interesting question that Sam raises in this article is, does this bode well for Nikhil Harry? They talked about how newton has had some of those big body receivers in the past you look at a devin Funches, you look at a kelvin benjamin uh, those players inconsistent results with newton but also some very good results at times i don't know that it's necessarily the size of the guys here i think the question is about cam newton's accuracy about his ability to hit players who are running very complicated routes when you have that contrast between harry and say julian edelman who is very very inexpensive coming off of an impressive season in 2019 the question is which player will fit more into what newton does i don't know that newton needs a big body receiver but he probably is a guy who works better for harry now the knock on harry last season obviously had the injuries but also some concerns about his route running how that was translating to the nfl a little bit more of a, a throw the ball up and get it beat his guy physically he is a big monstrous receiver you know much more athletic than say a funchess or a benjamin in terms of being able to move make plays on the ball a win jump balls that type of receiver i think newton will like that certainly you have to also hope that harry does take just a step forward in his overall ability his overall technique and skill as an nfl guy this year and then stay healthy so Looking at this, Edelman looks wildly undervalued, but you can understand the concerns at their prices, Harry or Edelman in this offense. I think I'm going for Edelman. I think it's just, um, you know, one thing I always worry about with Newton is the accuracy. And I think obviously with Edelman, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, shorter underneath routes, which should be easy completions to keep things moving. Um, and I, I think Edelman's the the safer play here um i also think that we know that edelman you know can do it can get in the end zone we've seen flashes from harry but we've seen flashes with a, a lot of players around the nfl who it just hasn't all clicked together for a consistent basis so I, I think i'd be taking the value on edelman who 
seems to be just uh, going a lot lower than he should be this season. Okay, as we move over to the Chargers here, the big thing to note, we either have Tyrod Taylor not nearly as pass-heavy or pass-happy as a Phillip Rivers, or we have a rookie QB, and not just a rookie QB, but a guy who has uh, some of those same accuracy complaints that maybe we might have about a veteran in newton now newton we know that there are lots of ways that he can overcome that we don't necessarily know the same things about justin herbert here so the first question tyrod taylor especially with this odd offseason how long is he going to be the starter here the chargers have talked a lot about how they like him and they might play him for a long time that's difficult to believe with just how much they put into the quarterback in that first round the one thing i would say we talked there uh, about joe burrow like what is the downside of playing the rookie quarterback in year one and letting him make those mistakes i should have like getting injured uh you know or you know getting beat up behind the offensive line there the the learning that you can do in those early years as a quarterback i think you know we've seen it time and time again put the quarterback in and see how he can go so i i would imagine that the the one problem that he's going to have is there's going to be a very reduced training camp or if there is any at all so it obviously gives a little bit of an upper hand to the veteran quarterback i think they should be going with the rookie from the start both for upside and for what we expect uh, this team to do um I, I just think it makes sense so and uh, my hope would be week one uh my expectation is probably week four or five would you have the same views in terms of putting the rookie in and, and getting him acclimatized to the nfl I always like going with the receiver or with the quarterbacks early. I think that you're shortchanging them the experience that they need when you don't. I can see waiting for that first month, and especially this season, you might want to wait that first month. If you throw the guy out there and he's completely overwhelmed, all that does is uh, kill your teammates' confidence in him obviously hurt his own confidence as well you want to wait to that point where he can do it where he's going to make mistakes but grow that's a difficult question because a lot of times you don't see that until you actually have him in an nfl game and so the only way that you can know is by go ahead and going ahead and throwing him into the fire i think that they'll do that i think if he gets in there by week four or five then chargers fans have to be fairly happy i think if the chargers think that they're ready to actually compete this season then they could make some big mistakes that will set them either even further back the question then with either taylor or herbert is we look at these receivers you have keenan allen a fairly high volume guy you have mike williams a low volume but elite vertical threat you have an interesting tight end and hunter henry perhaps finally ready to break out to true stardom and then austin eckler coming off of the absolutely fantastic season last year where he had that sort of darren sproles plus type of campaign one of the best receiving campaigns we've ever seen from a running back rivers is gone and that has created values for all of these guys by adp and at the same time i think that you could argue that there's still a lot of risk here are you selling all of the pass catchers with the chargers and are there guys that you like but would prefer to still see them even cheaper than they are i like the current values really off them and i think the value might continue to go down like the one question i would ask is like how much better is philip rivers than either of these two quarterbacks that we're you know seeing leading this offense and based on what we've seen over the last couple of years i really don't know i think that uh maybe these two quarterbacks could potentially be better for this receiving core the one concern i would have is if it was tyrod taylor um you know 
we, we've had running backs in the past for him that we thought would have a big uptick based on you know get receiving out of the backfield and that's not something that we've seen a lot with Taylor um, who likes to obviously scramble a lot himself so I think it could hurt uh, Eckler if Taylor's in there um, but I think all the pass catchers are significantly reduced where if you're willing to take a chance on them and, and pick them up in your drafts which which I have been doing I think there's enough upside there because we could be a week or two into the season and see that we actually have an upgrade at quarterback rather than a downgrade which people are expecting and vice versa I have some uh, kind of have some kind of pause when I think of the Colts because I don't know how much better Philip Rivers is at this stage of his career than uh, you know like Jacoby Brissett so I don't know if you have those same feelings but I, I think the the skill position players are all values at the moment for the Chargers yeah it's 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 difficult because we like all of these guys for me i i would like to have some of this offense i think that there are a lot of interesting players in this offense i want to get the the cheaper players because hunter henry someone who is not expensive to get when you consider what he's done when he's been healthy if he could stay healthy for a whole season he's got this immense upside i think he fits into what they want to do offensively mike williams you look go in and you pull up the AYA app on the site, you can see that Taylor hasn't necessarily had a ton of success with a lot of receivers, in part because he wasn't given a lot of wide receiver firepower, but he had quite a bit of success with Sammy Watkins. So then your question is, you know, which receiver is more similar to Watkins at this point? Are we looking at Allen? Are we looking at Mike Williams? I don't know that you can necessarily answer that question. It may not even be the right question. But when you look at the prices for those two guys and you look at the trajectories they're on, I think there's still a ton of risk for Keenan Allen you look at him in the context of players going in that range in the cooper cup robert woods type of range i think that you would prefer to have players who are not having tyrod taylor as the quarterback especially when allen falling a little bit now if taylor is actually an upgrade like you said then maybe this is exactly what allen needs to reinvigorate his career but i don't think you can go wrong with mike williams with just how inexpensive he is you're not even looking at him as a starter based on his adp and how that's going to fall into your construction so a lot of risk i mean a lot of reward not a lot of risk with him I think that those two guys, as opposed to Allen and Eckler, where you really do need starting production, you don't want to take the risk on those guys at those ADPs, because if you're wrong, it really is going to hurt your build. Yeah, and I think we'll just do a one question, Sean, to finish it off. If I was picking which offense to invest in out of those three offenses, I would probably be going with the Chargers at, at those kind of reduced rates that you mentioned. Which, If you could only pick one team to draft from, which would you be picking from? I've got a lot of, of Williams and, and Henry, so I think that probably answers the question there. But I do think that that <laughs> Bengals team with the four wide receivers, if you spread out your ownership of them, they become very interesting because those receivers are not expensive for what they could do. Yeah, it's going it's to be it's going to be fun. I think those are the start offenses sometimes to try and add in. Uh, you know, when those kind of double digit rounds or later rounds, like John Ross is a prime example. If especially if you're playing basketball, get him on the back ends of those rosters because uh, there's probably going to be a couple of big days in there as well. And I would have a little bit more hope heading into the season that we might see a little bit more of a bright side from him based on what we've seen towards the back end of last season but that's going to do it for today's show a bumper episode lots of stuff covered we're going to have another show on thursday
Thursday. So make sure you're subscribed to the, the individual feed here for Rotoviz Overtime to get that. And of course, you can check out all the podcasts that we have on Rotoviz Radio on the main feed. So make sure you're checking out both of those. Drop us a written review. As always, it does help us out here a lot. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtimarland. Joined as always by Sean Siegel. Uh, the, the two articles, or the first article we talked about today is Sean's piece up on the website. We just touched on three players in it. There's a couple more names in there. Be sure and check that out up on rotoviz.com. Until we're back later in the week, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.